because, because I'm a hot I'm girl. A hot, I'm girl. A hot, I'm I do hot, hot shit. Welcome to the Hot Girl Agenda. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Rara Imler, and with me is our new co-host, Yezi Padilla. Hi, Hi how everyone. are you? I'm so good. I'm so stoked. I like woke up early and did my Yay. makeup because I was feeling myself. I was like, "Yay! I get to record with Rara." I know. I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm. I always am like such a fangirl for my mutuals, especially like my mutuals with good politics, perfect politics. Um, <laughs> for people that have been following the show, um, there's not that many of you, but you're a solid group, and I appreciate you so much, especially our Patreon subscribers. Hey. But for people that have been following the show, um, I've been struggling with like finding some consistency and finding like tonal consistency especially as well as just like episode frequency and it's because I have fucking ADHD but also uh because I realized that you know like any good uh communist I just work better with other people like I'm better with a team I'm better with another voice to bounce off of and I'm just like Mm -hmm. so glad that I have someone like Yezzy now uh to kind of like bounce things off of and just like have good conversations with because that's really like what a podcast should be um so I like Totally moving away from like just the having a guest and then me interviewing them because truthfully that that's not always like the best way to do things. Like sometimes we just want to talk shit and today we're going to talk a lot of shit. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> we love to talk shit. Let's be honest. Like oh, I'm here for that. It's there's so much shit to talk. Like there's never not. But like this week especially, it's been literal hell freezing over for Texans right now. <sighs> um and like, okay, actually, wait, I just want to give you the proper intro you deserve because I do this every time. I'm like, I, I just want to like jump right in and then I forget. Oh, I, I should like let people know who is Yezzy. Like, what do you do? Like, how did, you know, how did this all come to fruition? Um, so Yezzy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, totally. Um, so my name's Yessie. My pronouns are they, them. I am in San Diego in California. I am an organizer with DSA San Diego. Uh, big ups to my chapter. I am a parent. I have a 16-month-old that I tweet about a lot, and they're amazing. I've been organizing since I was 19 years old, and now I'm in my 30s, um, and I've done it all. I've done from heavy electoral campaign work to, you know, almost insurrecto kind of like black blocky thing, you know, I've, I've done it all. I, I feel very um, fortunate to have experienced lots of different kinds of organizing and different kinds of intersections of political stuff. I, uh, I work uh, in the movement. I volunteer my time and, and organize my time both in mutual aid projects and uh doing a lot of trainings with younger organizers. That's stuff I'd like to do. Um, I also um, am working on getting my firearms instructor uh, credentials. I think it's really... Yeah, I think community defense is super important. And I I I think that folks need to learn how to use the tool, even if they don't want to own the tool. I think it's it's a good skill. So I try to teach as many people who want to learn. Absolutely. And I, I I dabble in shit posting on the side. And that's it. Uh we love hot girls with guns on this podcast. Um <laughs> we are we are pro lefty lefties with guns. So that's perfect. I love that. 
what a mm. what a wonderful team we make already you know <laughs> i know feels good the energy is strong it's good yeah definitely uh, there's a lot of like righteous energy this week too i feel like from uh mm. you know i think this is a very um radicalizing week for a lot of people um especially people in like texas and all the states that are um the mcdonald workers are going on strike um but let's talk about texas because it's a okay it's a disaster I, there's a lot mm. there's a lot going on right now there's a lot of information coming out um and thankfully like this is where places like twitter really come in to like you know the the importance of social networks is like really revealed in times of crisis because there's so much misinformation about what's actually happening on the ground mm -hmm. and how um widespread the turmoil actually is and it is this is not a situation that is just this neighborhood or just that. I mean, rich people are obviously way better off right now totally. having power and water that's working. But it's a serious situation. There's about seven, according to the Weather Channel, there's about 7 million Texans without clean water right now. Many people, at least three people have died of carbon monoxide poisoning, um, some of which were in their cars. Um, and it's... It's really bad. And there's actually like Texas is actually the worst right now because they're not on the national power grid. Um, but eight other states are reporting high numbers of power and water outages and weather related deaths. But it's really it's really bad. Um, uh, Yazi, you're located in San Diego. Have you seen any kind of like relief happening out of like California to like help their neighbors out or anything like that? Yeah, so I know that there are um, small projects coming up, mutual aid projects all over that are that are trying to build solidarity funds. Um, so one of the interesting things about um, San Diego is that, um, so if you think about the the southern border region, like if you were to identify the region, it stretches from San Diego to Brownsville, Texas, which is in the the Rio Grande Valley. So we've got folks in Texas who are experiencing this that we work with um, in border organizing and the audacity of the the government to simply disregard what these people are going through first of all yeah first of all let me let me backtrack a little bit because the Rio Grande Valley in particular is 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 a rough is in a rough spot just because of like the border wall leading to flooding so during rainy and cold and, and, and cold seasons there's always like massive issues for the people who live there because mm -hmm. of the board just simply because of the border wall so mm -hmm. and on top of that uh the failing of infrastructure and you've got like the perfect storm of a way to like decimate people and mm -hmm. and 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 really rip through their quality of life right yeah um meanwhile ted cruz <laughs> Oh, this bitch. This is okay. This is also <laughs> this is also why social media is important, because you know what? You can't pull this Marie Antoinette shit these days and okay, get away with okay. it. OK, yeah. Right? Like like you have the entire like social media apparatus that's going to be like, excuse me, you're doing what now? You're going to Cancun with your family. And like Ted Cruz just being like the worm he is, he couldn't even commit to that decision. Like he he just like immediately what after like after getting called out of it, he went like back to Texas, which is like that's good, obviously. But he's, you know, he's still a piece of shit for doing that. Uh <laughs> Total piece of shit. Total piece of shit. And then the fact that his wife was like in there neighborhood group chat being like who wants to come with like oh my god we're going to cancun it's like bitch people are dying like yeah. i read i read that an 11 year old one of the most recent deaths was an 11 year old 
um, who died of hypothermia. And it's just yeah. like your your lack of awareness at best, your mm-hmm. cruelty at worst, allowing you to to abscond to a resort is just. Yeah, like, I guess there's nothing I can do, so bye. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is that? Like, you know, you expect this from... Sorry about it. Yeah, right. Like, you expect this from celebrities, right? Celebrities and other rich people will always be able to flee a crisis. This is, like, the elected representative. Like, this is Mm. your... Like, you have to stay and deal with this shit. And he is just leaving. Like, I don't understand how anybody after this could have any defensible like takes like other than the normal ghouls the average person seeing this has got to be so pissed off and like this is a moment where i really feel like we need to have some kind of alternative for people other than hopelessness you know and i know that there's a lot of like uh campaigns going on to like help i know aoc and i think rashida Mm -hmm. are also um helping with ground efforts which is awesome but it's like it's it's really just bullshit that private citizens have to fill this gap of mutual aid and uh crisis relief that the federal government should be providing right now and they're just not they're just not responding to this with any kind of like clarity or any kind of like fire under their ass like people's homes were actually like burning down because there was no water to put the fires out so they were just letting the houses burn down and it's like that is so horrific it's horrific it's It's, yeah it's like what do you do in that situation like you're looking at this and it's like it doesn't matter if you're you know and it's like we love to dunk on republicans voters we mm -hmm. love to dunk on trump people but it's like it is another thing to like watch someone's home burn down and to know like you know, because there's I've, I've known people in my life that has lost um, their livelihoods and uh, yeah. their homes to fires and stuff like that and um, hurricanes and things like that. And it is no joke. Like it is almost impossible to bounce back from as a working class person. It's totally. And, it, and of course, there's just the government response is just terrible. What do we do as I, I want to say leftists, for lack of a better term, but like what do we do as like leftists to respond to this moment? Because. This is something that is not going to be resolved with just mutual aid. Like, there are deep structural changes that need to happen. Like, we need to get – first of all, we need to get Texas back on the national power grid. I didn't even know Mm -hmm. that they're the only state in the entire United States that is not. And I didn't know that until this crisis happened. Um, Neither did I. I had no idea. And I think, you know, mutual aid is an important part, but I think there's also, um, you know, as – gonna plug dsa here but like Mm -hmm. there needs to be a um a working solution within the um the like parameters that we have now right so Mm -hmm. i know that um eco socialist is working on a bunch of public power campaigns all over the country um and i think um they're doing a uh, sort of a 101 webinar on how texas can move towards public power as well because i i don't in a model where profit is the main uh, objective, like people mm-hmm. will always suffer. Working people will always suffer. And, you know, when um, these power companies, you know, for the folks who aren't, haven't lost power, they're paying thousands of dollars per day right now for power, right? Like it, they're, they're making money. These, these companies are making money hand over fist on a public, what should be a public utility on, on something that everybody needs to survive. This is mm-hmm. like, 
It's just like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah, and we'll link to the eco-socialist webinar so that people can get in on that because that's really important. And I, I saw that um, the National EcoSoc was like working on something, but I didn't really like investigate it too much. Um, but yeah, so yeah, this is crazy because like just today I saw this uh, right before I jumped on to do uh, this recording. I saw that thing on Twitter, uh, this article that was posted on Twitter about how um, electricity bills for Texas residents jumped from $50 per megawatt to $900, uh, sorry, $9,000 per megawatt. Jesus. $50 to $9,000. And the energy company is saying that it's due to high demand during the storms. And it's like... If you if this doesn't make you mad, if this doesn't convince you that capitalism is not the way that the free market does not have a response to this, because like what are we, people supposed to do? There are no competing energy companies in a lot mm-hmm. of areas, um, especially like rural areas. Like all these places are subject to um, like monopolies that are now not even like uh, res- you know they're not even answerable to the federal government, right? You know right. like. They're not they're not answerable to the state. They're not answerable answerable to the feds because of deregulation. And mm-hmm. now people's bills are going up to the tens of thousands of dollars. One guy's bill that I was reading about last month, it was six hundred dollars. This month, it's seventeen thousand dollars. Jesus. What? That, that is, sounds fake. Like it, it that sounds is... fake, but there were like screenshots of people's bills in the article. And I was like, maybe oh, I no, need I, to like, I... reexamine this a little bit more. But I'm like. But you can believe that, right? Like, uh, I, I totally believe it, it. But I guess what I mean is just like that jump sounds unreal. It's like unfathomable mm-hmm. that, you know, like that, that, that from one month to the next, that it should go that high. Our bills yeah. are too damn high. Don't the bills too are too damn, damn high. high. Yeah. And people are, you know, <laughs> I was looking at the comments to this article and they're like, yeah, I got my bill today and it was like $3,000. Uh, that's more than I paid all of last year combined. And I'm just like, people are saying like, yeah, I'm just, I can't, I can't pay this. I, how am I going to pay this? I can't, I'm just going to not pay it. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, don't fucking pay it. (laughs) Don't fucking pay it. But also this is another thing where this is like why this whole issue is just so insidious and awful is because Mm -hmm. if those people don't pay their bills and that goes to collections, like your credit is ruined, you, you know, good luck getting any property, like good, you know, good luck getting like housing with your, mm-hmm. with a bad credit score even. Mm-hmm. And it, so it, this problem is just like so multi-layered, yeah. but it's really just stemming from, you know, uh, fucking Comstock Resources, which sells the gas to Texas to like, I think this one part of East Texas, um, but I'm not sure. I have to do more investigative uh, podcasting on this, but <laughs> Jerry Jones, uh, the owner of Comstock Resources, he was like on a phone call and they described him as giddy about the profits that he was turning, that his company was turning because of this crisis. That is so ghoulish and disgusting. This guy is like raking in the dough and he's stoked about it while people are dying. Yeah. And it's like, I know that there are a lot of selfish people in this country. Like, I, I know that there's a lot of people that are really, you know, and it's like, I, I don't think it's even like, um, I don't even think it's kind of like the level of selfish where you're just willing to like screw over everyone. I think it's just selfishness out of um, self-preservation and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, survival instinct. You know, you consolidate your resources around you and yours. I think that's a more common type of selfishness um, in this country than like the kind of, 
like bone like to the bones evil that this guy is and mm-hmm. if this does not convince you so that's that things need to change like fundamentally change from the ground up like the whole structure of how we think about energy and how we think about utilities as a public good like if, if this doesn't convince you i don't know what will because like these guys are they're raking in the pro- they're making billions right now off just the last week alone they're making billions and it's all because they are price gouging texans right now and it's poor people that are paying the price poor and working class people that are paying the price it's a fucking horrible situation, and I know everyone's really overburdened with their feelings on it. I've had a a, a few friends and family members uh, tell me that they're just having a really hard time even participating in any of the, like, being, you know, on the internet because it's just everywhere, and it's so hard to watch this level of human suffering and not be able to do anything about it. Totally. But it's it's important to stay informed. It's important to know what's actually going on and how these mechanisms work so that we can advocate for abolishing them and changing them, right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, again, I think like folks are are working on it and I and I think that there are great opportunities to plug in in multiple ways, not mm-hmm. just, you know, you don't have to lead the charge, but um Good movements have multiple points of entry, and and I know that um, eco-socialist folks are are real solid, and the public energy folks are real solid, and um, if you reach out to them, like, you can find a way to support that work, Um, Mm -hmm. both in Texas and in wherever you live, um, because we should be moving this way everywhere, um, lest it happens to us, you know? Yeah, and um, there's this thing going around, too, um, where I don't remember which politician was trying to blame it on the wind turbines um but that that is a line going around now on fox news and um it's going to be repeated everywhere over the next couple months just watch for it and know that it's complete bullshit because Mm. wind turbines only account for 10 percent of texas's total energy and they're being blamed the wind turbine failures are being blamed for 100% of the failures right now of the energy grid which doesn't make any sense mathematically and you can look this up this is verifiable fact it is a total lie and fabrication if you hear people parroting this correct them put them on the right track because this is going to be used to um to to basically stop any kind of progress towards renewable energy um, mm-hmm. They're already making this at, like the talking point for why we shouldn't have a Green New Deal. It's like, oh, why should we have more wind turbines? They all failed. Oh, my well, God. Well, you know, New York was experiencing similar conditions. And there are other states with wind turbines that experienced similar conditions. And none of their turbines failed. I don't know the exact science behind why. But it, it it's very clear that it is not the wind turbine issue. It is literally the fact that... We are moving like towards greater and greater climate catastrophe every season, Mm -hmm. not just every year, every season. And the only way to respond to it is by having more renewable energies and by making sure our infrastructure is, you know, shored up against these horrible conditions. And we will not get that with more deregulation. And we certainly won't get it with more Mm. fossil fuel. So that's all. Yeah. So it's a fucking serious. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. I had too much coffee today. I'm, like, vibrating off the walls right now. <laughs> I mean, it's good, though, because, like, we need to talk about these things. We need to address the actual root causes and not let misinformation or 
uh, you know, spin take over what's really going on. This is an, a deep infrastructure issue that is uh, built upon uh, corporate greed and capitalism. Like mm-hmm. this is, there is a very systematic way to look at this. This is a very uh, systemic problem and, and you can address it by making change. Yeah, absolutely. There's another thing that's been happening too. like the, of course, like Twitter is bringing out all the horrible people and their horrible takes about this. But one of the things I'm seeing among, like, these big liberal accounts and and kind of like the weird, like, neoliberals that are kind of still left over from last election cycle, it seems like. But it's this really horrible attitude of, like, this is what Texas voted for. Like, this is like, oh, I guess you should vote better next time. And it's like, listen, I know we don't like Trump supporters. I know that it's frustrating but it, it's like if you're a leftist doing this shit online, it, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. This is not how we respond to people in pain. Um, it, it's not, you know, like these aren't they weren't at a fucking Trump rally, you know, right. in the middle of a snowstorm. It, that's a different scenario altogether. Like there, there's innocent people. Even even if you're a fucking Trump voter, you don't deserve to die in a, a, a fucking hypothermia because you voted for Trump. Like that doesn't right. make you know, that's not like. That's, that's not, not justice. Any, it's not that's justice. Not equity. That's not yeah. that's not righting the wrongs that allowed for the the rampant rise of the right to come through. Like yeah, that's exactly. Just fucking cruel. And and mm-hmm. we're supposed to be better than that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's not like um you know Rush Limbaugh died in this fucking snowstorm or something and everyone's laughing about it. Um, it's it literally like innocent people are dying and it's mostly working class people Mm -hmm. and who knows how many homeless people have not even been counted in all this and who knows how many incarcerated people that are you know are going to be like underreported as dying because of these weather conditions um because there's uh their powers are out in some of the jails and um Mm -hmm. there's no heat and there's no water and of course like incarcerated people in this country are already treated uh subhuman so who knows what their actual conditions are like because they're definitely not accurately reporting on that right so you know we have to be better than this like we this is a moment like anytime there is something like this that happens it is an opportunity for us to come in as socialists as communists as anarchists Mm -hmm. and be like this is horrible i don't want it to be happening to you here's what we should do. Here's an alternative. But for people like, oh, fucking Stephen King uh, oh, God. was on Twitter just being like, yeah, Texas should vote for blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, Shut Texas, up, bitch. Yeah. But also like <laughs> by your own fucking logic, right? By by his own logic, 49% of the state, if I'm not, it was like 48% or 49% of the state voted Democrat. So it's just like, fuck you. Like, sorry, guys, fuck you over here. Uh, we're just trying to own the fucking GOP and Republican voters. It's like you're basic. like, this is exactly the complaint that people have about Democrats mm-hmm. after every fucking election cycle. It's like, what do we do? We get the Democrats in office because they say they're going to fucking help us because all this shit. And what do liberals do after a crisis in red when it comes to red states? They're like, well, fuck you. You're Repub- like, sorry, you're red state. We don't care. It's like, why would anyone participate in this system if you knew that you were going to be treated that way by the rich and powerful? Like, it, it's it's such a fucking, like, slap mm-hmm. in the face for all the people, especially all the communities of color that worked mm-hmm. so hard to get Biden elected, despite not having any of their promises met, like, mm-hmm. over a month into his fucking presidency, you know? 
And I know you can probably speak on that, too, because uh, you work in, um, like, immigration, right? Yeah, and it's just like, so, I mean, the the fact that with with Biden, so here's something that really pissed me off. The other day, uh, last week, Biden released, so, so he had this whole plan for um, uh, an overhaul of our immigration system. And he, he made a big fanfare about bringing in movement orgs, bringing in what, you know, uh, immigrant communities, impacted communities, talking to them, him and Kamala and Mayorkas and and his whole uh, transition staff, whatever. They made a big deal about this. So they released this bicameral bill, right? The U.S. uh, Citizenship Act of 2021. And it's, it's not bad. Like, it's not bad. There's Dream and promise in it, which means there's a pathway to citizenship for immigrant youth. There's a pathway to citizenship for their families. There is... A, an attempt at oversight for um for CBP um so that's a US Customs and Border Protection they they oversee the border and the the checkpoints right mm-hmm. um you know they're they're one of the largest law enforcement agencies in our in our country right mm-hmm. um and they're also the most unaccountable so so even a step towards um a step towards accountability is like not bad right mm-hmm. yeah um he also added, you know, no more wall. So, 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 okay. Like, no more physical wall. Now he's moving right. towards small wall technology, which is a different thing. Okay. Right. So and that's possibly that worse. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So that comes out, right? And it's a, it's a big deal. And everybody's like, oh my God, like maybe something might happen. And then right under that, like right under the fanfare of this bill, the ice memo comes out. Right, the, the seven-page memo see. that uh, what was it like three, three or four days ago came out. Yeah, yeah. So, so both of these things came out at the same fucking time, and so it is, it is just infuriating because on the one hand he's like CBP, like let's let's rein it in a little bit, and then mm-hmm. with the the memo, uh, he's like, psych, ICE can do whatever they fucking want, you know. We can talk. We can actually just talk about this now, um, and if we have time, we can go back and go through the other topics. Um, but let's just like let's just talk about the Biden stuff. Like, let's yeah, talk I about mean, this new policy because um, I've been trying to read up on it. You know, over the past day, it's like a seven-page memo, so I I can't read that fast. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but you work in immigration, so I really wanted to get your opinion on on what was happening because it seems like this new policy, and you know. Groups like the ACLU are saying this exact thing, too. It seems Mm -hmm. like the new policy is basically just reverting to Obama era policy, which gives ICE tremendous leeway to Mm -hmm. uh, continue abusing their power and targeting undocumented people however they see fit. There doesn't seem to be any kind of really solid plan for releasing anyone. They're, They're putting they're actually expanding the facilities into like mm-hmm. overflow facilities in the name of like COVID safety, whatever the fuck that means, instead of just letting people out, right? Yeah. Um. So it seems like they're just like literally everything that Biden promised in uh, the primaries and during the election, he seems to have just immediately flipped the tables and was like, we're not doing that. Um, fuck you if you don't like it, right? So under the, yeah, so I, w- I want to talk a little bit about the memo. So- there were like three different tiers that ICE is supposed to focus on. 
and I guess these are like the prior- priorities, right, of ICE. Um, one is mm-hmm. undocumented immigrants who are deemed to be or who are suspected of being a national security threat. The second is undocumented immigrants who entered or attempted to enter the country on or after November 1st, 2020. And the third one is undocumented immigrants convicted of certain felony and gang-related offenses. Now, that first, like, let's go through all the points. But that first one is interesting, and I want to get your opinion on this. Um, Undocumented immigrants who are deemed to be or who are suspected of being a national security threat. What does that mean in practice? Yeah. So, okay. So I think um, in order to kind of like parse this language out and why it's, it's, you know, everybody's saying it's going back to the Obama days. I think we need to like contextualize what um, border militarization and, and immigration have looked like in this country. Um, and I think the, the thing that's super important um, to note is that most prior to Trump, uh, most immigration uh, changes that were, you know, amnesty or or providing pathways, you know, to citizenship came from Republicans. Um, and that's because, you know, like Reagan did the big amnesty push right um, mm-hmm. in the 80s. And, and, and the reason for that is because um, Republicans could get party the party to fall in line the gop to fall in line and democrats would support it so it so it was able to get um um you know bipartisan support whereas when democrats would provide um any sort of uh avenues for for immigration reform that was that was meaningful it would get shot down because one of the big gop talking points is democrats are uh soft on quote-unquote border security right and so um, to combat that, starting with Clinton, Clinton is the father. Bill Clinton was the father of mo- the modern border militarization that we see today. Um, he ushered in Operation Gatekeeper in 1984, and that basically revamped the whole system. Whereas, um, you know, prior to that, uh, immigration was more of a an administrative thing, like undocumented immigration, and, and the borders were a little more... Um, porous so people could practice circular migration um once operation gatekeeper came into play that shit was shut down and it became criminalized to the nth degree and and folks were were now facing these really heinous um these really heinous practices like militarized border wall pushing people out into the desert where they'll invariably die because there's no access to resources or or help out there Mm -hmm. um like checkpoints in the interior um so you know if you were an undocumented person who was in in the country you would get cut off from roads or they often would build checkpoints around hospitals Mm -hmm. so that you couldn't get to the fucking hospital if you needed it because you might get stopped wow Um, yeah, yeah. And this is this is going so when we think about the border, we also have to think about what the border is. So there's um a line around the entire United uh continental United States. It's called the 100 mile enforcement zone. It reaches 100 miles into the interior of the country, and that is um that's CBP's playground. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh border agents. They get a carte blanche to do whatever. They can stop people without a warrant. They can set up checkpoints wherever they want. Very low accountability for them, and um, and you know, high high uh kind of uh free reign. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we see 
language like this, like undocumented immigrants who are deemed or who are suspected of being a national security threat, right? Like um, when we see language like this, it is only serving to reinforce that militarization, right? right. Um, it is it is setting up a paper tiger to um, to justify the massive amounts of spending, the lack of accountability, and the culture of violence that CBP gets to parade around the 100-mile enforcement zone. But also, they've even brought it into the straight-up interior of our country. We saw that during the George Floyd uprisings. Like, Bortak was deployed to Atlanta. Bortak was deployed to Minneapolis. Bortak was deployed to... Um, to uh, other places in the interior that were outside mm. of the enforcement zone. So it's just a it's it's a straw man to allow them to continue to funnel money and resources into um into this uh unaccountable agency. Right. Yeah, because I mean, I don't really like there's no um there's I don't know if there's anything in the memo, maybe you saw something, but there's no like there doesn't seem to be any policy for bringing justice to uh, these families and individuals who have been brutalized by ICE agents in the past administration. Like, mm -hmm. I think Biden has made it very clear that he does not want to pursue any kind of like legal action against ICE for their abuses in the past. And it seems like it's, it's just really mind boggling to me because this is such an easy layup. This totally. is the one thing that he could that, that was very popular um, was just making sure that people aren't fucking abused like and, and letting them go, like releasing people back out from the border at, at the very least, like even if it wasn't on our side of the border, like that's all he had to fucking do. And he's not even willing to do that. And he's not only that is he's not willing to prosecute any of the people responsible for these atrocities last year. I mean, how many people actually died in, you know, in these camps? We mm -hmm. will never fucking know because there is no chain of accountability. This is like people like to say it's a rogue agency, but it's like th that is a Trump era talking point that is carried into the Biden administration because mm -hmm. this is solely on Biden now with a stroke mm -hmm. of a pen, he could end this shit right now. And every day they don't is a human rights violation. So it really is. It really should bother a lot of people because this was like the liberal line, right? When we were all in, uh, you know, going to the polls, they were like, well, you know, I'm voting because I'm voting based on like the kids in cages. Like, do you really want the kids in cages to like stay there? And of course, every everyone that was paying attention that has, you know, I was only a fucking teenager when Obama was president. But I remember this shit happening under him and Biden the first time. Mm -hmm. And and socialists and communists were saying that's nothing's going to change. Like this is like it they're not giving any indication that it, things are actually going to change. And people were like, okay, well, you know, we'll push him to the left on the issue when he's in office. Well, no. what are you going to do? Like, we, how are you going to push him left on this now? Because yeah. it's very clear that they do not give a shit about what any of us think because now they have all the power and there's nothing we can fucking do about it. And there's no, we're, it's not like we're going to be able to impeach Biden, you know, like we, <laughs> we've seen how trying to impeach presidents these days goes. It doesn't like nobody cares about it. it nobody's willing to actually fight that fight. And um, I really worry about, I don't know, sh I'm sure this is like also a worry of yours too, is that as time goes on, the information available is going to get more and more scarce. 
And the issue is going to get pushed more and more under the rug because that's what people want. People don't want to think about this anymore. They wanted to believe that this ended when they voted. And they want to believe that these directives, because they're so vague, it could like, I think it's vague enough to get the people that were kind of only like marginally paying attention to just completely forget about it and be like, well, they're taking care of it, you know? But like you said, this is, this language is intentionally vague so that they can keep acting the way that they're acting and not change anything. Exactly. And, and, and I think too, um, one of the things that's really important to know and, and sort of insidious in a way, like, so with, with Trump in particular, Trump was kind of like a spray and pray with policy. He was attacking everybody. And so people, everybody felt invested. Right. Right. Um, with a liberal, uh, and, and with a democratic, I want to say like, cause he's like, barely even liberal right right but with a a democratic presidency what we've seen also is that um they'll start to parse out the movement like so even people who are organizing around this they'll start to like pick them apart right Mm -hmm. and say like uh for example when talks were happening um i don't know if you saw this but when talks were happening before all of this uh, the memo got released before um the uh bill got released in in the house and the senate the citizenship bill um by one of biden's uh transition staffers was like oh well border wall is a distraction from what we really want to talk about right Hmm. we want to talk about pathways to citizenship we want to talk about that and border wall is a distraction so let's not talk about that and of course it it split the movement in a way because there are a lot of people who are like no you know and i'm one of them is like Mm -hmm. militarization is such a huge part of this and and the driving force to why this is happening so you can't just split out border wall and allow you know allow these um agencies to run rampant like you can't do that it has to be all of us together and so um we're gonna see a lot more of that i think um in an attempt to try and um an attempt to try and like you said uh make us forget about it right make us forget that these things are happening um we're going to see a lot more bargaining chip, uh, using people as bargaining chips, splitting communities in the name of um, of trade, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you immigrant youth for their parents, right? Right. Um, yeah. And- yeah, I like like giving concessions to dreamers and mm-hmm. like and just being like, um, you know, but we're not going to stop deportations. But at least these people are here, and they'll, they'll yeah. get, you know, yeah. It is splitting people off from the movement and um, factionalizing people in a huge way. I'm I'm really worried about the technological aspect because uh, I think the most neoliberal thing about this administration is that they are going to be um, pushing for uh, like technological answers to the immigration issues, which mm-hmm. means um, you know more like what is that more surveillance, mm-hmm. um, which it, it you know it's going hand in hand with what they want to do anyway uh, with. Uh, DHS, which which is like increased surveillance on Americans in general. So I think this stuff goes hand in hand where they'll be like, well, we're increasing surveillance um, so that we can have better border control or we're increasing surveillance so that, oh, the people that we weren't allowed to arrest, we have to keep an eye on them, you know, like basically justifying um, a heightened surveillance state, a heightened security state and really just eliminating any means of us finding like getting justice for the situation Mm -hmm. or getting any resolution so it it really is like important to pay attention to this stuff i don't know like what is what would be 
our answer, you know, to this. Like, I, I want people to stay informed. I want people, but it's so hard because there's so much misinformation out there. There's so many bad talking points. There's like, and you know, like the entire might of the federal government is going to go behind covering this all up for the next four years. Totally. So where do we start? Like, what are some good organizations to get involved with, with that you see are doing like good work? Yeah, totally. Um, I think that United We Dream, it's a immigrant-led, a immigrant youth-led organization. They're doing amazing work around um, youth issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so United We Dream is a great one. Um, I'm going to uh, plug uh, the Southern Border Communities Coalition. They're doing, they're kind of the leading cutting edge on, on um, border issues. So like specifically talking about militarization. Um uh, there's a coalition that's led by the Detention Watch Network called Defund Hate, and they specifically, um, they're a watchdog organization, a coalition that's specifically calling for the defunding of ICE and CBP. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a great organization to check out. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of news that, like, we're being inundated every day um, with so so much information um and so i think you know it's it's difficult to parse but i i also think that trying to just take the time to kind of like dig through a little bit is really helpful just on your own Mm -hmm. um and then you'll start to see you know once you start to learn the the language of of immigration you'll start to see that things are popping up that are you know notable like um and you'll start to you'll start to pay attention to kind of some of these weird things that that are showing that, you know, Biden's full of shit, um, mm-hmm. like how he said there were going to be no deportations um, right. in the first hundred days. And yet we've seen plane load after plane load of Haitian um, uh, immigrants, migrants looking for safety, uh, looking to apply for refugee status, uh, mm-hmm. being turned back, including babies. Babies were on those planes, right? <sighs> yeah and um you know um and that's happening in february like during yeah. fucking black history month um yeah there's they're wasting no time breaking their promises that's what's so shocking about all of this is mm-hmm. they they really could have done what they're doing with the stimulus checks and dragged this out and been like oh you know there's nothing we can really do we're we're, we're shuffling the department around we're doing this literally they're off the bat just like saying no sorry that was a lie bye like good luck like, getting good luck reversing this yeah why exactly. even say it yeah like, but it's like i wonder like what the limit is on how many things that this administration will be able to lie about you know because the whole me- even with the whole media like mainstream media apparatus um defending them and doing everything they can to avert our eyes to you know oh the well the GOP is doing this oh, we, mm-hmm. they, we can't do anything and it's like the last administration showed that you can do whatever the fuck you want as president like yep. they pretty much made it clear that you can do whatever the fuck you want so why would you not use your executive powers to end this cruelty to end the you know the deportations to end caging people and separating families because you know the, sep- the the family separations are definitely still going on just with yeah. way less accountability now like <laughs> so it's, it's in like, some ways it's worse you know it's like with with biden you know he he didn't really care like the democrats don't really care about 
what Trump did. It's that he did it in a way that wasn't genteel and civil. You know, he did it in a way that was um, crass and caustic. They would love to continue his policies on the DL. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they would love to continue his policies if it, you know, was mired in, uh, you know, bill uh, legalese and not open to the people. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That cat's out of the bag. Like, we're we're here now, you know? Yeah. And I think it's going to take a lot of work to – I mean, like, there's there's no way that you can just make people forget the last four years and everything that happened. But I think that that's what they're counting on. I think that they're counting on the, like, the American people as a whole to just kind of go back to our lives. But the problem is, if there wasn't a pandemic, maybe that would be possible. But the pandemic is is laying bare all of the shortcomings of our government everything that the government could be doing but is just refusing to do at this point like they are it's it's they're actively refusing to do it and it there's no way that you can just shove this under the rug mm-hmm. at all maybe if there wasn't the pandemic anymore and everything was opened up and everyone was vaccinated but we know that's not the case we know mm-hmm. that not only is the immigration issue still the same if not worse um because now there seems to be an even stronger like lack of accountability or giving a shit but there's also you know mass evictions there's also mass homelessness there's now there's now like horrible regional weather that's taking out entire power grids you have to wonder at what point like people are just gonna like stop you know stop believing this because you know that there's people out there that aren't being paid to parrot these lies that still are holding on to this idea that things can somehow go back to normal but we know that it can't go back to normal because normal for a lot of people was already like incalculable suffering right and stress and and cruelty people don't want normal anymore like they don't fucking want that shit we want better. And the thing is, we know we can get better. We see that billionaires have what they they made like something like three point nine trillion dollars last year. Jesus. And and I think the working like working class Americans lost like three point eight trillion or something. What? It was something crazy. Like it was like literally almost even like that. Like just literally taking the like coin out of your pocket yeah like like, there's like a paper trail and you know and now that and people are in gigs where you know like uber and lyft and like Mm -hmm. instacart and all this shit where they're getting paid like fucking pennies on the dollar to do to like waste their lives away and i just don't think that it's not a tenable situation and you know I don't think um, – I think that there is a, so much room here to provide not only mutual aid, but just mm-hmm. to show people, like, listen, there's more of us than there are of them. That's always been the case. We've always had yeah. this power. Americans have always slept yes. on their power. And it's because we we really were brainwashed to believe that, you know, mm-hmm. if you just try hard enough, you can escape this cycle. But we're seeing that that's not the fucking case. Last year mm-hmm. took out everybody's fucking savings. It took out everybody's mm-hmm. fucking security. It took mm-hmm. out people's jobs. Like people that are responsible that, you know, they did the whole rise and grind shit. They yeah. they did everything they were supposed to. It's just like in 2008 with the housing market crash. Mm-hmm. People did exactly what they were supposed to and they got fucked over anyway. You can't do that every four years and expect people to just lay down and take it, right? Like something's going to give. So it'll be interesting to see what gives first like what's the issue that's really gonna like the tipping point exactly the tipping point i think i think that 
immigration issue is pretty strong, um, especially because the southern states are so diverse. We have such mm-hmm. a diverse population. Um, but I think I think the Texas thing might be the tipping point, honestly, because that is like it's it's pretty all around like a terrible situation for everybody, um, no matter who you are. It, it it's it's a pretty non discriminatory. Uh, like a horrible situation unless you're super wealthy and you're not in the state right um so yeah so it'll be interesting to see the next couple months and i'm excited to explore those topics with you and to find some guests that can talk to us and i don't know we gotta like we're gonna do some more stuff on the show that offers more hopeful analysis right because it's not gonna be all doom and gloom there's a new cruella movie out anyways so that's something to look forward to (laughs) Thanks, Disney. Thank you, Disney. Something nobody <laughs> asked for. <laughs> oh my God. That was like a really like bad uh, segue, but well, you know, it's fine. No, uh, I loved it. I loved it. It's uh, it's good. It, man, reboots, 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 reboots. Yeah, I I'm over like, it. I'm so yeah. over it. Oh, I'm just so boy. you know. It's like if anything, like last year taught us like. This recycling of culture bullshit is just people have already consumed all the culture, so now they're just remaking shit. Uh, and it's yeah. been that way for it's been that way for a while in Hollywood. But this whole Cruella thing is just very um, especially baffling because it is part of this trend I'm seeing in Hollywood where we're like really loving the gritty reboots mm. of horrible like female characters. Um, yeah. Obviously, it it, it kind of started with um, with Maleficent, um, mm-hmm. and and she was kind of like, a, yeah, okay, she like cursed a child, or and you know turns into <laughs> a dragon and like curses an entire city, whatever. Um, but it was like, okay, cool, ooh, like a you know fanciful character that's like kind of a antihero, right? Yeah. But then like Nurse Ratchet, Nurse Ratchet from that fucking. Was a rough one. That was a re- that was really hard for me to understand. I didn't even watch a single episode of it. Um, I watched two. Oh, was it was it worth a shit or is it really bad? <laughs> it's okay. So I think Sarah Paulson is a great actor. Like yes, I think I she's great. <laughs> yeah, totally love her. But rehabilitating the the representation of like control and lack of autonomy that people who who are deemed um, you know, uh, who have mental illness, who struggle with mental illness, like yeah. rehabilitating her into a uh, puritanical uh, lesbian struggling with her demons is the most like bullshit thing I've ever seen. Like, uh, it's such a weird, like, of all the characters, right? Like, how the fuck was that the one? Like, there are so many characters in literature you could have gone for that are, like, maybe underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Their characters were, like, maybe underdeveloped or whatever. But she's, like, a clear-cut evil villain from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And in the book, she's a fucking terrorist. Like, she terrorizes yeah. these poor men. She wasn't in charge of the lobotomy that happens in uh, the book and the movie or whatever. But she was, like obviously part of this system that reinforces all these like horrible you know things for mentally ill people and uh you know uh committed people that are committed to like mental institutions 
And it's just like, yes, queen, like, <laughs> girl, boss. yeah, get it, girl, get that lobotomy. Like, what the <laughs> fuck was that? It's so weird. It was such, and I was just like, you know what, whatever. Like, because they, they did this shit with like hotel baits, right? Like, they yeah. were trying to like, so I was like, they're just doing this shit where they're taking characters from literature. And, all right, whatever. I was willing to like overlook it. But then when this fucking trailer came out, I didn't even know they were making this because I, I needed the word Disney on uh, Twitter like God probably bless. a year and a half ago or something. And my life super has smart. Been very, yeah, my life has been way more peaceful. I think I also <laughs> muted Marvel, but I still get all the Marvel takes for some fucking reason. Um, but then this Cruella <laughs> thing came out, and I'm like, her whole fucking thing is killing dogs. <laughs> How are white oh women especially bending over backwards to be like, yeah, girl, kill those dogs. You're just un- you're like misunderstood, you know? Oh How do God. you rehabilitate yeah. a dog it's, killer? It's, like, It's so weird. It's it's so weird. Killing dogs is like, like, like what? And and I can't wait for like the, the like humanizing backstory. Like she got bit by a puppy when she was like younger and then her mom <laughs> abandoned her or something. And like... That's what, like, leads her to kill all of these dogs. I don't know. It's it's just, it's so weird. <sighs> and it's, it's, here's the other thing, too, that's really weird, is the whole, like, the whole, like, they put her photo in some of the press materials, they put her photo on a backdrop of Circle A's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they're doing this whole, like, first of all, they're they're doing this whole thing where, like, uh, you know, anarchism means you do whatever, right? Like you're edgy, right? It means you know, chaos. Like you're bad, and then they they're doing this. Yeah, yeah. It means I think someone said online like the ninety nine percent of people think anarchism means being a joker, like being the joker, right? <laughs> yeah. Which like I totally get that. I get that, but also also um I think Gramsci and Althusser not to get not to get all theory heavy, but Gramsci and Althusser um would have a lot to say about. These, like, weird reboots that are, first of all, like, just regurgitating culture back at us. None of these things mm-hmm. exist in a vacuum, right? So it's, like, right. if you if you keep making your villains, like, anarchists, which is, like, Antifa, the, like, the new right-wing boogeyman du jour, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is, this is um, enabling culture to be, like, okay, well, like, leftists are bad. Not just anarchists, but, like, any leftists are bad. Socialists are bad. Communists are bad. Like, it's just reinforcing that sort of thing. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so fucking tired. Like... Yeah, it it is really like I've always had a problem with how um, anarchism has been portrayed in in Hollywood because... Mm. I feel like it started out with, like, the big, you know, with the big villain, uh, the big superhero features always had kind of some, like, anarchist element to it. Was it the Dark Knight or whatever had, like, Bane and his Mm. anarchist, like, you know, like, there's always, like, Bane is actually a left communist, excuse me. (laughs) You're right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we could do a whole, like, series about, like, what the actual politics of, like, Marvel villains. (laughs) But, like... I would say, like, so it's just so funny because, like, it started out, I think, in the early 90s when a lot of these superhero movies were starting to come to prominence and the studios were seeing that this was, like, a good, you know, these properties were really profitable and there mm-hmm. was a market for it. Um, Like, we started seeing, like, the really campy anarchism of mm. just, like, yeah, anarchy means mohawks and, and fucking yeah. shit up, right? And now it's kind of becoming, like, with the last Joker movie, it was very much, like, anarchism is when you're unhappy with the system and you just want to, like, ruin everything. And it's like, 
okay, like somewhat closer, but still not mm-hmm. productive and not even really what anarchism is about necessarily. Um, but now it's like the, the aesthetics of anarchism are just basically like anything that is um, like counter to the mainstream, right? Like yeah. anything that is con- like counterculture is considered anarchy. And I just like, I don't like that because it, it, it kind of, it just like really cheapens like what anarchism actually is. And I'm not even an anarchist and this makes me mad. So I can't even imagine how anarchists actually feel about this. But um, to another point too, like this whole like rehabilitation of female villains, um, it just feels so rooted in like white feminist guilt, mm. right? Like, mm-hmm, because for mm-hmm. the past four years, White women have had to kind of uh, come to terms with the fact that uh, their fellow white women put a fucking uh, rapist in office. They put a fucking mm-hmm. a racist. They put this guy who was uh, insanely destructive, right? And mm-hmm. I think the last four four years was them really trying, like white feminists really trying to distance themselves from uh, white uh, female Trump supporters. So... This feels like a manifestation of that in like the worst way, which is not Absolutely. like which is not like really it's not really reconciling your politics. It's finding an it's finding an excuse for like the horrific things that have come out of your politics. As long as it looks good and feels good, then it's yeah. girl power, right? And like that's kind of like what they're setting up for this administration is like well, now we have a female vice president. Um, so not only that, a black female vice president. Mm -hmm. So now we are absolved of this. Now we can like look at our flaws and look at all this stuff through an aesthetic lens that is very forgiving and very, um, and is empowering and do no actual internal work as to why the last four years, uh, happened and you know, why like it can't happen again. So like, what are your thoughts on that too? Because you're, you know, you're a woman of color, you're a person of color. So Mm -hmm. like, it's got to be like really hard to like synthesize that, right? Yeah, it's super frustrating. I think a lot. Okay, so like I've always, I'm just gonna be real right now. I've always had a really hard time um, interacting with feminisms. Um, And I think that's because um, most feminisms have been divorced from like a political space in the sense that feminism became... um, its own entity without like any sort of political backing like like we're not like feminism mainstream feminism stop thinking about class stop thinking about capitalism stop thinking about you know racism in in a way that was meaningful and Mm -hmm. so what was left was for it to be sort of just subsumed by the culture like that's something that um, Althusser talks about who's a wife killer, by the way, but we'll we'll talk about that. I, I always try to bring it up, but like yeah. <laughs> he, he fucking killed his wife. Anyway, um, it's important yeah. to note. Yeah, 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 important to note. I try to bring it up every time, especially when there's dudes who love Althusser. I'd be like, oh yeah, he killed his wife. Like, like you like that wife killer? But in this regard, talking about culture, like he's got some salient points, and and this is something that he talks about. That's something. Um, if it if it doesn't have a, a like the political grounding that that'll help it um make meaning of the world it's just going to get subsumed by the by the culture and that's what happened with feminism and so every time there is like this idea of um giving a sympathetic backstory to a to a female villain as a form of like power that's not really 
power, like you're just enabling the qualities, uh, those negative qualities, like those, those, the cruelty, the, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the self-serving, the selfishness, all of that to, to be justified. So you're right. It's an absolute, um, it's an absolute projection, right? For like yeah. these white women to be like, Cruella, like I'm totally a Cruella or I'm totally a Maleficent or I'm totally, you know, a nurse ratchet, right? Right. Like, that's yeah. me. And I'm, I'm being told that my behavior is okay. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Right. Like, as long as you're not. fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's all well, that matters because that's what matters with, uh, especially like white American feminism mm. is as long as as long as you're you know as long as your outfit's on point when you do something horrific like you'll be forgiven in the end you know like yeah. or you know as long as uh, as long as you're compelling about your evil um, mm. and and you're like a multi layered awful person then then it's okay right like in the end it's like it all kind of like it all kind of evens out but also just like i i just think it's a lazy trend it's a lazy Mm. trend damn it and it's like we deserve we deserve like new characters in life we deserve new stories we deserve like if we're gonna have like these Mm anti-hero uh femme characters we should have some that are like actually original you know like if you're gonna if you're you know it's just like it's it's very um it's very much like the business side of the film industry that I really dislike and I Mm -hmm. love films like I love films Mm -hmm. it's always been my lifelong dream to work in film and television and Mm -hmm. it and and it used to be you know like when superhero movies are first coming out and this is like true of all big features right every year uh studios typically like they'll they'll find like one they'll find like a couple big features right mm-hmm. that they're, they're they're like you know the summer blockbusters basically um like the superhero movies the action the big action movies um just like the ones that are like real people pleasers like mm-hmm. majority of the population will come out to see because it looks cool and it's fun and americans love that shit those movies were used to fund uh historically they were used to fund like the smaller studio projects the mm. ones that were like more of a gamble the ones that you know were like a smaller budget the ones they didn't anticipate to like do super great in theaters but respectable totally. um now what's happening is all of these conglomerates ha- are just it- pumping out the blockbusters constantly and spending less money on these smaller films because mm. it's more risky especially now with the way the theater is structured with the pandemic, it's way, way riskier to take on a smaller, uh, like, independent, uh, like, you know, an untested director or an untested, like, you know, screenwriter or, an uh, you know, an, an untested actor. So we're seeing the same people, in, you know, in, in movies over and over again. We're seeing the same types of stories. We're seeing uh, the same properties recycled over and over because they're less of a risk because they're so they're so popular. Mm-hmm. That there's no risk in making them, right? Because they know that they'll get their money back and exponentially on it. Um, not just in ticket sales, but in franchising and, you know, toys and all this shit and merchandising. Well, that's the, that's the so-called innovation of capitalism, right? <laughs> right like just yeah. recycling, recycling, flattening and recycling and flattening, you know? Um, yeah. It, I, like, really felt that when you were like, we deserve new characters, but we deserve characters, too, that, that, um, that are, that are complicated in a way that isn't just, like, okay, they're bad, but they're good, and then they're good, but they're bad, you know what I mean? Like, we deserve, we deserve things that are complicated, because our life, 
like our collective life has become so much more complicated uh, mm-hmm. as we move into late cap or as we are living in late capitalism, as we're seeing the destruction um, and and the disintegration of the state. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We we deserve stories that reflect that. Um, and I don't obviously a for profit uh, conglomerate multimedia conglomerate <laughs> won't provide that. Right. So. Right. Um, is there but any that's media? What- Oh, sorry. I mean, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna ask you, like, like, is there any like media that you're you're watching, like any any show or movie that you've watched recently that you're like, fuck yeah, like this is different, this is good. Um, I watch a lot of bad stuff. I'm just gonna put it out there. Um, I feel like some people bad think, stuff can be good though. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I watch stuff that's like bad and good. Um, and I'm really more about um, this is also just like because maybe I'm a former theater kid or because I'm a communist or both, but I really like ensemble uh, television shows. I love ensemble. Like that was the appeal of Marvel for me was that Mm. uh, most of the movies are ensemble productions. And I love the interaction of many different like personality dynamics at play, especially when there are amazing actors involved. And a lot of those Marvel movies, you can say like everyone's pretty much an awesome actor. Right. Um, but I've been watching, uh, so I've been watching The Magicians, which is a fantasy show, uh, and it's it's already over. It was, it's like four seasons, but it's on Netflix, and it used to be on Sci-Fi Network. But it's basically like if Harry Potter was in grad school and fucked a lot. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> and was queer. <laughs> oh, so, this sounds amazing. Yeah, and the and the you know there the characters there like it it doesn't feel like. Um, like the queer representation doesn't feel like it's hitting you over the head. Um, you know, the problematic femme characters are just that they're problematic. They're not evil. They're just, you know, up their own ass or like, you know, they're complex. Like I, the storyline progresses like so much. They really don't waste any time on plot. They really just move things along. Um, it's, 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 it's hokey. It's, it's basically a CW show. It's, it's basically a CW show, but I love it, (laughs) but I love it. And I love stuff like that because it it's comes from an original story. Um, it comes from like a series of books. And I am really a fan of books being adapted to te- like television shows, especially because I, as a format, it leaves so much room to like spread out and tell the complete story and elaborate on stories and characters. Um, so I think the future of like really good media is really in television. But again, we're seeing the Marvel like slash Disney takeover of everything um, where it's again, just kind of regurgitating a lot of like comic book scenario stuff. And it's, it's less uh, it's, I feel like even though there's more media than ever, it's becoming like less experimental as far as storylines go. And I, I just want to see like, I don't know. I, maybe I'm not also, I'm also like probably not giving enough credit out there to shows that are like really awesome. I definitely need to watch better shows, first of all. <laughs> but it's it's sad when when I like, you know, when I go on Netflix or Hulu or something and it's like the stuff that's thrown at me is just so unrelatable. And I just don't find myself like really connecting to that much. So I've been reading a lot more than I've been watching TV, I'd say. Yeah. yeah what about you? What is there any kind of media you've been into lately? I've been like kind of in a okay, so like I've been kind of in a slump when it comes to I watch a lot of bad TV too. But um, in terms of, like, scripted shows, um, like, actual, like, you know, TV shows, I haven't watched that many that I've I've stuck with. I have been 
going back to a lot of my old favorites, like old Star Trek um, stuff. So good. Um, I'm watching, yeah, I'm watching Voyager again, and Captain Janeway is so interesting. And I want to talk about, you know, strong femme characters. Strong and complicated, right? Captain Janeway. Uh, she was awesome. Know. She was one of my favorites growing up, definitely. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I've also been reading a lot, too, just because, like, sometimes I get so overwhelmed with everything that's going on. I, I'm I'm kind of, um, like, a little bit of a knowledge uh, mole. I have to, like, suss things out. So I've been reading a lot to try, like, what do we do about everything? Like, yeah. you know... One of the things I've been reading about, um, I just finished this book, um, Beyond Survival, and it's talking about, like, how to address harm in a community, and, like, is it possible to address harm in a community in a meaningful way, uh, without, um, when, like, when you either can't cancel someone and, like, kick them out, or, like, when you know that doing that would ultimately lead to more harm? Like, what's a constructive way to address harm in a community? I would like to have a longer conversation about this, probably on the next episode, because this ties into a subject we didn't get around to this time. But Joss Whedon, who we all love to hate, uh, who we can't <laughs> seem to fucking cancel for the life of us. We cannot seem to cancel this dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this is actually I really do. I put this um, when you recommended it to me. I put I put this book on my um on my to read list. And I think I'm going to go and get and get a copy of it so we can talk about it on the show. Cause this is like community justice and restorative justice is something I'm very, very invested in. Uh, some of the listeners on the show know that I'm a harassment grievance officer for my, you know, local chapter for DSA. There's a lot of like movement around, um, changing these processes, these internal processes, uh, to be something that is actually transformative and restorative as opposed to just punitive because historically, um, you know, organizations have not been great about that. And DSA has grown so quickly over the past couple years that these processes have not been updated and have not like caught up to like where people are at like spiritually, basically with it. And we also just, you know, we want to provide an alternative to the carceral system. So our our goal is not to just, you know, suspend, expel and like, or or to like ignore things that that's worse is ignoring things that are going on, ignoring injustices, in, ignoring grievances, um, ignoring conflict. Um, it definitely doesn't get us anywhere as, you know, as a community and also in the larger um you know, left-wing project. But yeah, that's something we should definitely talk about next time. And we can talk about uh, Joss Whedon and FKA Twigs and Shia LaBeouf. Um, FKA Twigs is not canceled. She's great. Uh, She's amazing. We <laughs> She's love amazing. We like her. FKA Twigs, come on the show. Oh my God. I would... <laughs> I would die. I would <laughs> totally die. We love I'd be like, you. Can you teach me pole tricks? I suck. <laughs> oh, she is incredible. I'm, oh I'm a God. shitty stripper. Every time I watch her dance, I'm like, God, I'm so lazy. <laughs> oh God, she's so great. She's so great. Uh, anyway, so Yessie, thank you so much for being my co-host. I'm so yeah, this excited is so about fun. this. This was so great. Um, so where can we find you? Do you want to be found first of all on the internet? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Where can um, we find you? Where can we follow yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter um, at StolenValor underscore. Sweet. And you can follow me at IslandGoth. Oh, and of course, subscribe to the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash hotgirlagenda. Um, help us hire an editor because yes, I, as much as I love audio editing, I don't like listening to my own voice. I hate my voice <laughs> so 
much. Um, and I would love to not do it. So anything towards the Patreon is going to eventually go towards editing costs. And also, we have a new segment that I want to bring uh, to the show, and we will be starting it next week, where we are doing uh, kind of like a episodic roundup of whatever your organization or you as an individual or... Um, you know, whatever kind of community project you've got going on that is advancing uh, the socialist utopia, Woo! as it were, we want to hear about it. So in detail, please uh, email us at hotgirlagenda at gmail.com. Tell us what you're up to. Tell us how we can help. We're going to boost you on the air. Oh, and let us know if you want to come on the show and talk to us, because that is why we're here. We're Obviously, we're both very invested in uh, making sure that we leave a better world than we found it. So definitely, thanks for joining us. Thanks for doing hot girl shit with us. And that's hot girl is uh, genderless, by the way. You, you yep. don't have to be a girl to be hot, uh, to be a hot girl. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.